Listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a World Affairs Council conversation with authoritative voices discussing significant newsmaking issues and individuals. Sponsored by Greenberg Traurig, LLP. The United States spends more than $1.5 trillion annually on defense, more than the next seven highest spending countries combined. And just last month, the Senate passed a defense authorization bill totaling $700 billion, which exceeded the administration's request by $630 million. Our military is without doubt the world's strongest and most lethal. But at what cost to our country and society? What will war look like in a decade or even a quarter century from now? Will robots and drones be the warriors of tomorrow, leaving man and his moral judgment behind? These are not easy questions. To help us consider the future of war, retired Air Force Major General Dr. Robert Ladiff is my guest. He's the author of The Future of War, published just a few weeks ago by Knopf. Since his retirement in 2006 from the Air Force, he has been an adjunct member of the faculty at his alma mater, Notre Dame. He has been and continues to serve as a consultant to the military and other defense agencies. Welcome, sir. Thank you for having me. For centuries, armies have fought according to certain norms and laws based on the idea that certain wars were just. Yet now the enemy is often ill-defined, representing non-state actors. Does that make those rules obsolete? I think the real question is, does it make them obsolete? for us. We have to think in terms of what our values are. It isn't just what the enemy does, but what we think we should do, what is right in our own framework. Certainly, people who are involved in terror give up the rights that accrue to others who fight just wars. But as David Petraeus told his troops in Afghanistan, just because the Taliban are barbarians doesn't mean that we have to be. I think the answer is no, it doesn't obviate the, the need for the rules of war. In your book, you paint sort of a science fiction picture of the battlefield of the future with our men and women fighting alongside robots. Are we close to reaching a point where our warriors will be taking direction and even orders from robots? While it is, in fact, sort of a science fiction picture, it's not as much of a science fiction picture as some people seem to think it is. Many of those technologies are actually with us today. It is only a matter of incorporating some of those technologies into our weapon systems. And yes, we are very close to being in a situation where we fight alongside robots. And that will have some pretty interesting implications when it comes to things like unit cohesion and whether or not robots and humans will, as soldiers always say, have each other's back. And this is an odd question, but what is more valuable in certain situations? Is it the robot or the human? The robot may be far more efficient at killing or doing whatever it is it needs to do. The question of what is more valuable I think also depends on your moral framework. In my case, it's the human always. But are we losing, to a degree, the moral basis on some of the way these judgments are being made? Is technology changing the moral framework? I actually do think it is. If you think in terms of what we're trying to do with robots, we're trying to make robots human-like. And frankly, we're trying to make humans robot-like. So those two things are kind of coming together it blurs what it really means to be human. So the concepts of morality are different. And the human may change because one of the areas of your book that I found fascinating, if not a bit terrifying, is how the soldier of tomorrow may be medically enhanced. Talk to us a little bit about that. Truthfully, we're doing it now in a minor way. 
pilots who fly long missions actually take drugs. A lot of people don't know that, but they take a form of an amphetamine. And there is a lot of talk about giving soldiers drugs to make them forget horrific experiences in war to treat PTSD. There is great work going on at DARPA. DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. They're the, the mad scientist of DOD. They don't like me to say that, but a lot of great work going on in neural implants. As you know, you know, neural implants are used in the treatment of Parkinson's disease. DARPA is working on neural implants to treat traumatic brain injury. And they're learning an awful lot about how the brain works and how to modify it using electronic signals. There's some really kind of scary work going on there. Let me ask you to elaborate on a quote that you included in the book. It's a quote by General McMaster, who's now serving as the National Security Advisor. He says, and I quote, the warrior ethos is at risk because some continue to advocate simple, mainly technologically based solution to the problem of future war, while ignoring war's very nature as a human and political activity that is fundamentally a contest of wills a great quote, turn it around and talk about General James Mattis, who is also currently in the administration, Secretary of Defense. He said very similar things. He said them in much more colorful language, but he talked a lot about soldiers depending too heavily on technology and the fact that you know, sometimes technology goes down in war and his soldiers needed to be prepared to survive by their own wits. Very similar to the thing that McMaster said about clash of wills. Both of them, I think, right on the money when it comes to talking about being careful about our dependence on advanced technology. It's good. It, it saves lives, but we shouldn't depend on it wholly. Now, you spent a considerable part of the decades of your career working with nuclear weapons. President Trump, during the campaign and since in office, has argued that our nuclear systems are dangerously obsolete. Is he right? I don't think so. Obsolete? No. In need of constant care? Yes. So when you say obsolete, does it mean we need newer, more powerful nuclear weapons? I don't think so. We need to take care of the ones we have because they're not going away anytime soon. But no, I don't think we need to have new nuclear weapons. The war of words between President Trump and North Korea's Kim Jong-un continues. Where do we go from here? We can only hope that sanity prevails among the people who surround President Trump. This concept of continuing to threaten is scary and uh, doesn't do the international situation any good. My view of the world is that we're better than that. Is technology and our military superiority making us, to use your word, arrogant? It is. We, in the U.S. in general, in civilian society, we have for decades touted our technology dominance. Technology dominance, stealth, submarines, you name it, have allowed us to win wars over the decades. And one gets a little bit arrogant, a little bit hubristic. We saw that that didn't really work so well with shock and awe. You know, I wish we had more time, but to close, I'd like you to comment on another area where you spent considerable time in your book, The Future of War, about the growing schism between the military and civilians. How does this lack of engagement and understanding among the general population about the military impact our society, and what would you propose to correct this imbalance? Well, simply put, the U.S. public society is not involved in any way in war, and so when our politicians decide to send our troops to war, it doesn't affect them at all. No taxes, no draft, they're just not involved. So the answer is it doesn't society. And that's a real problem because it allows our decision makers and our politicians just to use our military at will. 
as a toy sometimes. How do we correct the imbalance? There are all kinds of ways you can think about doing it, but one is to educate people. The second one, which I favor, is actually national service. Having a draft is probably a bridge too far, but having a national service requirement where the public actually has to pay back for some of the things they get, I think is probably a good thing. Well, General Latif, I want to thank you for being with us today and speaking later this evening to the World Affairs Council. Future War, Preparing for the New Global Battlefield. I read the book yesterday on a plane. I'll let our listeners know that it's under 200 pages. It's an important read and a quick read. I wish you great success and thank you for bringing your message to our listeners. And thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a production of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. Subscribe and rate Global IQ Minute on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app. For information about a World Affairs Council in your community, visit worldaffairscouncils.org. Global IQ Minute is sponsored by Greenberg Traurig LLP, a global firm with 2,000 attorneys in 38 offices across the globe. Visit the firm at gtlaw.com.